Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Earl Johnston from Hypatia Industries. I'm Jonathan Melville from MDD in Atlanta. I'm Marion Nulevant here in Portland, Oregon. I'm Michael Rogg from Build for Humans in Texas. And today we have a roundtable discussion. So I have a number of guests on here as well. We have Jennifer Bloomberg for, or is it Blumberg from Next Solutions? That's right. And either way of saying it is okay. Which is right though. It's sort of in between Bloomberg. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> I didn't know there was a third option. All right. <laughs> and Paulo Elias from IDEO and Ransom Robertson at Venvio. Got it. Thanks All for right. having me. Yeah. Welcome aboard, everybody. So what we're going to be talking about today, I'm going to get to in in just one second. I wanted to mention that if you're curious at all, we open sourced all of the source code for the devmode.fm website. So if you want to check that out, go to uh, github slash nystudio107 slash devmode. And there's a pretty cool craft 3.2 site that does some fun stuff. And you're welcome to check it out. Or if you want to help us make it better, give us some pull requests and away we go. And you can be the judge of whether we are good developers, because that's what we're going to be talking about today is what traits does it take to become or to be, I should say, uh, a good developer. I would like to go to Jen first, just because like Jen sent along this list of this amazingly put together document. <laughs> preparing for the show <laughs> that made me feel incredibly ashamed at my lack of preparation. So, I mean, Jen, give us uh, give us one thing that you think is important for a trait for to be a good developer. Sure. Well, first of all, I got I assembled this list by asking a group of people who I thought were good developers. I mean, this this just came from that, not because I had absolutely no knowledge about my own ability as a developer. So, just that for context, but I think the first thing, well, the one thing that everybody said was that you would need a good analytical ability. So what does that mean? That just means the ability to solve problems by breaking them down into parts. So that if you can't do that, then I don't think you could be a good developer. And we could go into more detail on what that means, but we can start off with that. Earl? Well, I, well I'm just here to represent the bad developers. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm already, I'm already failing that first. So, what are, what are some, yeah. so what are some traits that make you a bad developer, if that's what you feel <laughs> right, yeah. is the case? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I feel mediocre. I mean, I'm on, you know, this podcast with you all, and you're all excellent developers. So, I'm always feeling a little undergunned, um, or, or outgunned, rather, is, is the term. But um, one of the things I thought that I, I would like to bring up, because I don't know if it would come up or not, is one of the things, anecdotally for me, that I think ended up happening was I got trapped in a couple, well, not trapped. I mean, they're good clients, and I got, I, I'm in a couple long-term projects. And what ends up happening with that is that I'm working on the same or similar code base for a really long time, and not really branching out and learning any new any new code and um and I feel like I've really in the last couple of years have really really fallen behind in terms of you know just new best practices and mm -hmm. frameworks and things like that so I just thought that that was like kind of the one thing I wanted to mention so I'm glad I can get it out of the way uh, right away is that um you know it's good to have long-term stable work, but if you can carve out some time to try and take on new projects or do some things for yourself, just as learning uh, tools to stay on top of things, that's probably important and would help you be a better 
developer. Maybe not good, but better. And that's, you know, Earl, that is high on my list is that you have to enjoy learning. Right. Oh, yeah. To be a good developer because it is, it's a field that's just constantly changing, yeah. right? And we've all seen it, you know, in, in discussions with people who are just like, oh, you know, I'm fed up with learning or like, right, Paulo, like this JavaScript stuff, it changes too much. I don't like it, you know. <sighs> you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough field for you. Totally. I mean, there's a learning fatigue that comes along with that. But if you don't have that sort of passion for learning, and uh, one of the things high on my list was curiosity mm. on how things work and how you, you can break things apart, put it back together. Um, it's it's hard to stay, I don't want to say it's hard to stay relevant, but things change so fast that if it's a profession, and I think um, a good developer should treat it as a profession, you're getting paid to do this work, and professionals are, you know, continuously uh, learning, upping their skills. Um, Theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. Yeah, that's just true. This is theoretically, because I've been in situations where the professional was the opposite of that. But anyways, it's it's definitely part of a big part of the good development. And I think Earl makes a really good point, because this is something I've said to people for a long time is that you become the kind of work that you do. Mm -hmm. So if there's a kind of work that interests you, like just start doing it <laughs> and and turn away work or try to turn away work that is not in the your sphere of expertise. Like if you if you become really good at just like, you know, whipping up WordPress sites, like that's what you're going to be doing. That's what you're going to be good at. That's what you're going to be known for and that's what you're going to be doing. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to go back to Jen's point too about like an analytical ability and stuff. I mm. think there's probably a lot of people when they're very first starting out or maybe they're like fresh out of high school and they're going to college and like they're just, you know, they want to get into coding because they like the idea of like working on a computer or potentially being like freelance and stuff like that. And I think that that analytical ability may not even like click for a lot of people. They're just looking at it as like a career as something to do. Mm. But I think that that's a really important thing to, you know, take stock of within yourself. Like, I don't know, do you like doing like, I mean, I don't know if crossword's like a good, you know, but like, are you a person that likes to solve problems or are you just kind of I love solving problems, but I hate crosswords. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I, I, that's, I didn't think it was a good example. As soon as I started saying it, I was like, I don't think that's like this. Right and I love, I love problem solving in mathematics, but I hate Sudoku too. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I, mean, I don't. I don't know why. Yeah, those things just annoy me. How that's do you feel about nonograms? No, I don't even know what a nonogram is. Yeah. What's a nonogram? I feel. I feel uh, confident you hate it. Say, yeah, I. I agree. Save it for the next episode. <laughs> Do an episode about about puzzles. <laughs> okay. So I want to get uh, Ransom in here as well. So Ransom, you are uh, have the title of senior developer. So you must be super experienced, and you can tell us what does it take to be a good developer. Um, so I, I kind of sat down and thought about this for a while, and I, I wrote down a list of things, and I put exclamation points next to the things I thought were really important. And the one that had the most exclamation points was uh, the ability to debug, hmm. because I, I see a lot of uh, younger developers, less experienced developers, and they'll get stuck really quickly. And it's not to say they won't figure it out eventually, or they won't you know, find something that does what they're trying to do. But I think there's a, a huge amount of value in being able to like set a breakpoint, jump into what you're implementing and figuring out how everything comes together. And um, it's, it's about, uh, I guess, a higher level of understanding uh, and self-discovery in a way. Mm. Yeah. I've, I've actually worked with someone who once they ran into a problem, instead of trying to sort of at least put a little time into figuring it out themselves, they uh, just automatically uh, just went to someone else and asked them a question, which I think hmm. 
touches on a couple things. One, you know, trying to figure out for yourself, but also this other issue of vulnerability and being able, able to ask for help that we can sort of talk mm. about later. But they would just jump into it really too quick, really quickly, really, you know, asking other people when I even just a Google search in 90% of the cases would solve their problem or figure out what they were doing wrong. I would definitely agree that the ability to ask other people <laughs> it's super important, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you, like, it, you, I'm not going to, you know, say you have to be humble about it, but there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking. It doesn't show you that you're weak or that you're dumb or that you don't know something to ask someone. I ask people stuff every day, you know? But you should come to the person you're asking with a checklist of this is what I've done. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah. What I've learned. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I right. still can't get it. So you've got to understand your problem before you exactly. put it on someone else. Well, Otherwise, I just you're both just gonna. Well, I just message. I just message Paulo and say it doesn't work and let him figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, yeah. Just to like just to piggyback off that that stuff is I think there's a level of sort of like tenacity, especially if you're going to be working on other people's code base or if you're going to be taking over a project or something for somebody. Just being like willing to you know dig through code to like you said it's like set breakpoints and figure out the like the i mean that's what's something that i've been working on lately is an old older code base and migrating to something new and there's been a lot of like deep dives into you know other people's code and it's been are you talking about the stuff we've been working on yeah oh I mean, god I'm, yeah it's been it's it's been it's been tough but it also just a, another thing too is there's something the other day i was working on for quite a while and uh and then, you know, I, I turned to Andrew and was just kind of like, hey, man, like I've been working on this for a while. What's going on? And then like an hour later, Andrew was like, oh, yep, here it is. But part of that, too, is I think something you've said before is like a lot of the things I know is because I've like done the wrong thing before, hmm. <laughs> which I think is important to know and like yep. goes to the point of don't be afraid to ask people questions because if they're reasonable human beings, they're just going to they're going to recognize where you're at. And if right. you're trying, like, I think that's important. I think trying is a big part of, you know, like, don't just like you said, don't just go to whoever and be like, this is broken. Please fix it. It's like you got to show that you at least <laughs> at least check, you know, Stack Overflow or something first, like that well, you did yeah. something <laughs> to, to your point. Earl, uh, some people say that an expert is someone who has made every possible mistake right. in, a, in a given field. Right. Right. Marion, I want to get you in here real quick. So you got any? Uh, what is top of your list in terms of what it takes to be a good developer? I think that what people need is a real tolerance for frustration. Mm. Yeah, smart. Yes, absolutely true. And um, also, I wanted to contrast being a good developer with being a good human being. Agree. Because I think there's some things that make you a good developer that make you a bad human being. Like a good being a good developer is sort of about focusing on the edge cases and being a good if you're doing that as a human being that means you're constantly being the devil's advocate. Right. You're constantly dragging the well, you're conversation. A, yeah, you're down. a pedant. You're a pedant. Yeah, right? yeah you're a pedant and yeah. you're a you're a devil's advocate and you you know are are you know constantly nitpicking it. People's, you know, people say something that's that's true in general and relevant in particular, and you're like, well, actually, in this case, <laughs> right, the worst phrase in in, in English language, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> comma, actually, those, so those, well, actually. <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, so we're well, almost actually immediately in a fight as soon as someone says that. <laughs> oh, I know. But no, you're making you're making a really good point, Mary. We have a really good point in that there are different qualities, like to being a good human being versus being a developer, and some are good for one and and not for not not good for the other, and you know, having some kind of balance there, you know. 
Right. You need to know when to turn it off. I mean, like, I'm a terrible devil's advocate, but I managed to keep my mouth shut and just do it internally. Right. Right. To that point, that kind of attitude of uh, looking at all these details and nitpicking, kind of, uh, it can be very stifling to a team environment as well, especially if you're working with non-technical people. Mm. You know, if you're working with designers, they're going to say things that are going to like really irritate you. But, you know, you can't just shut it down because they're seeing things differently than you and probably better than you, if we're being honest. Well, different things. I mean, if a designer will give me something and I'll be like, now, suppose that somebody, you know, what is, Mm. where does the error message display here? You haven't shown me this. Or what happens if, you know, somebody has a name that's longer than that or mm-hmm. what if these three things don't all have exactly the same amount of content in them so those are like edge cases mm-hmm. what do you do if it doesn't go strictly down the middle and that's where most of your effort is going to be as the developer it kind of your job to politely ask those questions of the designer who's maybe their job is to figure out you know what what's going to work well in the general situation well the keyword there is politely you know, i don't i think i think everything you just everything you just described is like i think does make you a good developer you're being thorough you know and again you've you've ran into those things enough to say like oh well i had an issue with someone's name that was right. like much many more characters than i thought was possible for a last name or something so you know but yeah as long as you're being reasonable about it i think that that's that that's fine i think that uh, that kind of leads into another really important point which is uh being able to communicate with mm-hmm. people you know, as people might, as a developer, you know, it, it's very important to be able to talk to people, you know, on the same level. That way they don't kind of start off defensively. Yeah. You know, you don't want to see them to see you as like an aggressor. Right. Just like, you yeah, know, I'm finding, finding uh, interesting is we've started off talking mostly about hard skills. And my top three mm-hmm. sort of things to talk about were more of the soft skills things. Like, um, mm-hmm. like number one on my list is empathy and communication and then the adaptability and flexibility we talked about earlier. And when you're, you know, correlating that with being a good human first, you know, what is, uh, what was the, the topic? Good, what makes a good developer and a good human? Right. See, and I, um, and, and, you know, in fairness, Paulo, you being out in San Francisco, I would totally expect that these would be the top three on your list, right? The bullet points from your your empathy meetings and everything but (laughs) empathy training or you know whatever but yeah i think those kind of fall under just being a good human right because like you know no matter what your job it helps to have empathy it helps to be a good communicator you know or do you think that those things especially matter for development i think i and probably most of us here are biased in that it's sort of required as a developer but uh it's i mean i i I, it's hard for me to to separate the lines between being a good human and a good developer right good coffee maker or a good whatever you do i think being the good human should be the priority before you do anything else well being a good developer Uh, is a subset Right. I mean, I would say, right. right. Cause you, you could have someone who is like, has a, a very good technical skill, but maybe they're like the worst employee ever because, you know, they get up at six and they don't shower until 11. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I wonder who does that. <laughs> But I don't my, need you sharing personal details of my life on this podcast, Andrew. No, Michael, I want you. I want you in here because you haven't got a chance so yet. Like, what's I, I on think, your list? I think the subtlety between being a good developer and being a good human, because we could have an entire season of podcasts about how to be a good human, and right. Lord knows lots of people do. But I think sure. understanding, like being a good developer, like what is the definition of being a good developer? I think it kind of splits into two buckets. 
And you, one, have to be good at producing technical products, at like developing things, writing, writing code and programming and understanding systems and all these things. But then being a good developer is also having self-awareness about the value that you provide hmm. through that work. And so it's, it's honing the technical craft of the work, but also understanding how that work fits into the greater scheme of your team or your world or, or whatever. And so I think kind of the softer skills, when I think about them, my ambition is n not just to be a good human, but it's to figure out how to take this craft that I love and understand how it is valuable to other people and, and accentuate that relationship between my work and the people that I'm doing the work for. And so, so I think you need both of those. You need self-awareness in both of those areas to be a, air quotes, good developer, right? Because you need to be good facing the code, but you also need to be good facing the users of the code. And so I think that's kind of the subtlety for me between the soft skills and the hard craft. Yeah. And, and Paulo, you know, I was kind of having some fun with you, but I, I think it makes sense <laughs> that uh, some of what some companies focus on for are, are these type of skills because that's HR's job is to get everyone to work together and to, you know, work smoothly with each other. So, of course, those things are going to be important to them. And then also, I think they're, they are just in plain important to teams, right? You, you have to be like a decent person and be decent to other people to work and cooperate in the same sandbox. I, th I think you might have somewhat of a point in that the type of person that is not always, but is often drawn to doing, you know, hardcore development may not be the type of person that always has the best social skills, right? I'm not saying that some people don't, lots of people do, but I've, you know, as someone who has managed, uh, you know, a number of developers in the past, I mean, it's definitely a trait that I've seen. Like there's a good number of developers that are really good at that thing. And then maybe they don't have the same kind of social awareness. Has anyone else run into that? Oh, yeah. yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's, um, especially like historically and it's, it's certainly better now, but, but there's a certain amount of isolation right. that comes along with being a developer and just spending so much time just staring at your screen and, and frequently working remotely or, or just, you know, alone in a cubicle or whatever. And, and you're focused on the work and, and to the exclusion of, of kind of these other interactions that make you, everything is practice, right? So if you spend the vast majority of your time typing into a terminal and you don't spend a lot of time interfacing with other humans, the skills you have at interfacing with humans are not well practiced. Right. Well, and also I think people so, are drawn to it, right? So, it, it, you know, in a former life, you know, maybe a hundred years ago, Ago, a decent number of people who might become programmers might become like Zen Buddhist monks or something, you know, where they enjoy that kind of isolation and, yeah. and deep thinking kind of stuff. Well, you know? I, oh, sure. I, I think there's like some, you know, uh, not just drawn to it, but people that sort of find their way to it. They mm. find some of the, some of them, again, not everyone, of course, just as like a generalization, are people that came up through internet communities and stuff. Mm. You know, places like Reddit <laughs> and Twitter and maybe a Chan or two. Oh, my God. Uh, and so, well, the God. thing is, and what I was thinking <laughs> earlier when we were talking about empathy and things like that and trying to make sure that you keep those things balanced. I mean, if you're spending a lot of time in, in, in Twitter or certain like subreddits and stuff like that, People are very terse there uh, to be nice about it. Sometimes they're straight up jerks. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, part of part of making sure that you remain like empathetic and stuff is to try not to let that some parts of the culture get to you, you know, where people are really, really brusque and rough. So, something that I think is kind of fun, or I don't know, maybe I'm just crazy, but I, I like that there are traits that we would typically 
considered to be negative traits that could potentially be positive in some situations. I'm just going to throw some out there. I've got a few of them and we can just kind of talk about it. If anyone who has thoughts on this, you know, dive in. First one is stubbornness, right? <laughs> so, I realize that like if you're stubborn, that, that, that implies like you're intransigent and you, you know, you just won't change your opinion. And I know that there are other words that we could use. Like I think uh, Jen used tenacious, which is sure. I mean, that's another word. But I think stubborn in particular might actually be a positive thing to to have as a developer. Because imagine if you, you're a really good developer and you figured out this problem and then you got a bunch of people that are trying to convince you that no, 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 that's not the right way to do it. Like you shouldn't do it that way. Imagine if you, you had the right answer and you weren't stubborn and you were just like, yeah, okay, you guys are right. Well, right. Yeah, it just goes on, goes side, you know, hand in hand with uh, perseverance. So mm-hmm. I think of stubbornness as being able to persevere through things. So I, I flip things to the positive. Right. Well, <laughs> and but it, I guess what I'm saying is that a lot of times, like we think of stubbornness as a as a very negative quality. And as mm-hmm. Marion was talking about before, there are some qualities that if you have them as a person, they could be a negative. But if you has them have them as a developer, it could be a positive. Because I, I can just guarantee you, like there are certain things that I have been working on throughout my life, like late at night. And the only reason like I was still working my way through the problem is I was just so damn stubborn and I was determined to figure it out. Mm. And I think it went, yeah, but I think that, it went beyond. feeling you get when you figure it out though, that's, is it because you're stubborn? Cause you want to get to that sort of high of like, I did this. Probably both. Probably both. Yeah, okay. But I, I feel like, I feel like that's a ironic use of the word stubborn. Like, <laughs> Like you're using the word stubborn there to describe perseverance and and tenacity. You're not using it to describe closed mindedness in the face of legitimate arguments to the contrary of your Oh, opinion. I don't know. I don't right? know. So like I mean I don't know. Maybe maybe if you're like doing it the hard way and someone says, Here's an easy way and you say, No, dang it, I'm gonna do it the hard way, cause and like, okay, great, then you're stubborn, but but I think most of the time that you're you are being stubborn in the way that you describe it is it's it's just determination and it's and it's drive and it's perseverance towards figuring figuring out the problem or uh, you know, the reward of of solving it or whatever and it's also probably a lot of self-confidence in there too because if you have mm. a group of people on stack overflow who are saying no that's not how you should do it why mm. are you doing it this way and you say well because i'm figuring out another way and that's that's how I'm going to do it. I mean, yeah, it's stubborn, but it's also, it, it takes a, you know, a bit of, I guess, open, open-mindedness and, and I guess a, a lack of doubt about yourself, which I think a lot of developers have, especially when you confront the, the terseness that, that, you know, you had mentioned before about the people who are, uh, you know, quite dogmatic in some ways about how things should be. I have an example. I mean, this was a couple of years ago. I was working on a relatively complicated database structure and I was sort of searching on Stack Overflow for the best way to handle the query. Whereas it was something sort of like, oh, we had a, a comma delimited list in a single column. And someone had asked that question on Stack Overflow and the first 10 responses were, well, you should normalize your database and you shouldn't do it this way. And, and it's like, well, yeah, you know, there's a good reason why we did it this way, that, you know, not everything has to be perfectly normalized all the time. There may be constraints. Hmm. So I'd really like to know how to do it some other way and we'll figure out how to do it. And we're not going to go change our whole structure just because, you know, 
10 kind of jerky people on Star Wars <laughs> like we should, right. uh, there, there might be, there might be a legitimate reason that there is this other way of doing it. And I think part of that is just the, yeah, the stubbornness, but also just the confidence to know that a lot of people have smoke and mirrors and they sound really smart and I'm sure they are, but they're not always right. Oh, Jen, you so just made me think of one of the worst mashups in the history of mashups. If we took Tinder... <laughs> Tinder and mash it up with Stack Overflow. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) One of those things where you get to, uh, yeah, talking to one another and they didn't know it. Random people on on Stack Overflow are really not at all affected by how you set up your database queries. Right. Most likely, unless, you know, you're wildly successful and influence the world, in which case you were probably doing it right. But I've, I'm going to agree with Michael that I think stubborn implies that you're being persistent in the face of other people mm. versus just, you know, persistent in the face of, of uh, the intransigence of the technology. Okay, fair enough. I'd so like you, to bring up... A, go ahead, Rand. If I may bring up a, another end to this, you know, there's kind of a, another perspective, and that's knowing when to pivot as well. Mm. Um, because th- the last thing, you know, I want to hear is that there's this problem that someone's been stuck on and they've just been sitting there on it all day when there's 20 other alternatives on how to do it. And yep. at the end of the day, just because you, you've got to let this pride go at some point because you've got to measure, is it worth it? Is it worth all of this effort or is this just, just for you? Is it for you or is it for the team? That's an extremely good point because I've been in situations a lot where there is a clear different path that I could take that would have exactly the same result that would solve the problem. But I don't like to walk away from something defeated. Hmm. And so there is that stubbornness in me that, you know, I'm going to do it this way because I want to know how to solve this problem. And I don't want to walk away not knowing something or not knowing how to do something when there was literally plenty of other paths I could have taken that would have ended in, you know, a successful solution. Oh, no, I just want to, I, I just want to say that's where being pragmatic is. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is ideal. I mean, the the best solution is not necessarily the most correct solution, and that sometimes is just really just right. Grinds me because I want to do it. I want to do it great. I want to do it correct. I don't want to get all new agey about it, but one of the things that I do is after I've if I've been banging my head into something for a long time, or for what feels like a long time, or maybe it's almost like a sixth sense, like a spidey sense kind of thing. I just stop, and mm-hmm. a lot of times I just either I go on to something else entirely, or a lot of the time I go out for a hike. I'm like, you know what? I've reached a brick wall. I'm gonna go out for a hike. And I listen to, you know, a, a non-tech related podcast, like a humor thing, or I listen to music or whatever. And I don't know what it is, but like nine times out of 10, like just not even thinking about it, somewhere along that hike, I'll be like, oh, that's how I should do it. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yeah, that's a good way to go about it. Yeah. I have, I have all my best ideas about code while I'm running and listening to non-technical podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that must yeah. that must be like a, a counterbalance to the the positive quality of, you know, being stubborn or tenacious or whatever we want to term it, is that you also have to know when to just let it sit. Because sometimes, as Jonathan was saying, like, if you try to go down this road too far, like, you just, you're, <laughs> you're going to look back and be like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And I'll just I'll just interject here too that another thing that struck me a second ago uh, as my computer had literally had a kernel panic in the middle of the podcast is that you have to have a good machine probably to be a good developer. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that's certainly helps. Welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but no, I think kind of the theme the theme that I'm sensing is actually like and this is the item that if I made a list it would be the top item on the list of things you need to be a good developer and it's 
the ability to contextualize things. And and it kind of feeds all these other things that we're talking about. Because if I know, if I have a, the ability to contextualize the micro thing that I'm doing right now in the macro scheme of a project or my life or my interactions in Stack Overflow or something, then I can be both open-minded and confident. And I know when to hold them and fold them, as it were. I, I know when to pivot. I know when to stick with something. I know how important a thing may or or may not be relative to the other things I could be spending my time on. And so I think just the ability to to zoom in and out and and to be fluent at seeing the micro and the macro and contextualizing things with each other. And and this is both technical and on the you know human skills side, contextualizing a module in the scheme of an app or contextualizing my work in the scheme of my team's work or whatever, just like that the ability to, to zoom out to the bigger picture and then zoom back into what I'm doing and then zoom out to the bigger picture, like I think is that's the killer skill for me because it it lets me make good decisions in all of these other areas. Yeah, something I think that's when you sort of figure out when you sort of made that jump from like the junior developer to a, more of a senior is that awareness of like I'm not just going to dive in into the code right after I hear what the problem is. I'm going to think about it and and as you know Michael said, contextualize it and, and, and sort of come at it from a holistic approach as opposed to just dive right in, bang my head against it, and then some. in some cases, wasting time that if you just thought about it, it would uh, make things go much smoother. Nah, you know you graduate from a, a junior developer to a senior developer when you're sore after after <laughs> sitting all day working. Because <laughs> now, you're, now you're old and senior. But so, well, that's some, why you should have a standing desk. Sure. Something that... Uh, when something, you develop carpal tunnel syndrome, you're officially a senior developer. Something that Jen mentioned is, you know, confidence was something that she was getting into. And I'm going to, you know, this is another one of my words that has a negative connotation to it, but I'm going to put it out there, arrogance, right? So, you need, if you're sitting down there and you are going to build something, you need to have, you know, some quality, let's call it arrogance that, hey, I can figure this out. And in fact, I the, agree with that. The whole reason we're doing this whole podcast is that it stems from uh, we did a, a podcast with Verity Slothard, who was on the, the Webflow episode, and she was talking about the way she got started in developing was she was using some builder tool that she wouldn't name, and it <laughs> didn't work, and she's just like, oh, you know what? How hard could it be? I'll just figure out how to do this stuff myself, right? How do you folks feel about using this? I know in San Francisco, it's going to be very frowned upon, but using this term arrogance as something like, could, is, could arrogance be a positive quality as a developer? Well, I mean, the arrogance, similar to how you use stubborn, I think, is sort of the negative side of confidence. confidence you know, yeah. like, so yeah, it's I, an ironic I would, use. Yeah, I would frame it. I would, fra I mean, I would say that the confidence is important. Arrogance is the thing that, I mean, arrogance is what would make you a bad, like, team player. Bad human. Yeah. Right? Well, bad human as well. Right. But, like, also, I mean, being arrogant and, like, a team meeting or something like that, where you're generally, in my experience, arrogant people are talking about things confidently that they don't understand. Mm -hmm. I feel like arrogance is like confidence without contextualization. Sure. Like you, you have confidence, but you have failed to contextualize your confidence in the group that you're interacting with or, or with the pro like. So instead of be, arrogance, be confident. Self-confident in your abilities. Well, because yeah, I mean, if you're in a line of work where you're solving the kind of problems where there's literally 50 different approaches you could take, if you're constantly questioning, right. you know, am I making the right decision? You're going to have incredible work paralysis. You'll never get anything done. <laughs> yep. Well, so, and, and the term that Vlad from Webflow used was, I think he said, un 
he wanted to use unrealistic optimism <laughs> as, as opposed to, to arrogance. Okay. So, I mean, essentially you're, you're falling into what Marion was saying before in that you're nitpicking and being pedantic and you hate, and you hate my, <laughs> you hate me trying to use these negative terms. No, it's fine. No, yeah, I but we're developers. To... So yeah. like, yeah. this is a developer podcast. Yeah, okay. We could, we could be pedants if we want. All right. No, I mean, your point, your point we is are developers. I dare say that's the point. <laughs> so yeah. what we get paid to do. So is there ever a point? Where, so what is the, the, the tipping point that moves us from confidence to arrogance? Would you say? In, in, when it comes to development in particular, not necessarily like, you know, to some arrogant guy because he's got lots of money or something like that. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, Rog's point about it being like confidence without context was good. Hmm. Uh, or also just, yeah, I mean, in a more general sense, just like pointing your team or, or whatever, uh, you know, if you're working by yourself in a direction that is that is wrong, but you're confident about it. Yeah. You know, like that to me is like, you know, an arrogant position. Because I've, I've looked yeah, at I, the bullet points that would be on, you know, Paulo's HR meeting list and they would have, you know, they would have empathy and they would have humbleness or humility. And I'm basically picking the antonyms of these things mm-hmm. <laughs> and being like, could these things ever be a positive? Apollo, what do you what do you think? You're about to say something. Oh, I was just going to say, I think building off Michael's definition also is someone who's arrogant is not necessarily going to listen to the stakeholders or their team. Mm. They're just going to forge ahead unilaterally by themselves and right. make make everyone uh, you know go down in a ball of flames with them. Confident people still have the ability to listen and maybe pivot if it's reasonable or there's a consensus that it's probably not their idea is probably not the best yeah. solution. That's and pursuant to what I you said it. before, Apollo, I think you have to be ultimately confident to ask other people for help. Yeah, sure. that's true. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, a, that's a really, those are both really good points. Uh, yeah. Arrogant people. I mean, in my experience, anecdotally, I would say arrogant people, it's like, it's more of a mask for their lack of confidence. You know, mm. like they're not actually confident. They're just like blustery and whatever. And it's because they, they, they know, like they would never ask anybody for help because they know how little they know, if that makes any sense. Could it be oh, something totally. that would be a negative for a developer in a team setting, but could be a positive for, you know, like a solo entrepreneur? Would you need a certain amount of arrogance to be like, I can do all this? I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's uh, uh, PR, PR people no do. There's no such thing as a solo <laughs> developer. No? I mean, there, if there's nothing else, there's you and Stack Overflow. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. Yeah. And a text editor. I mean, I think you need well, yeah. you need a certain amount of if if you're on the entrepreneurial side of things, you need a certain amount of bravado, mm. right? You, okay. you need you need uh, you need to be able to have self belief in the face of others not believing in you, mm. and it, like because by definition you're creating something that most people don't realize can or should be created, and and so I think yeah, you need a certain amount of bravado, but you still have to contextualize it with a team or a market or the world and you need to be willing to question yourself asking legitimate questions and receiving legitimate answers and deciding how to apply your your bravado I feel like context. there's a fine line though I feel like and it may vary from person to person but there might be you know certain people might consider someone to be stubborn and other people would say no that person is tenacious. You know, certain people might think that a, a certain person has a lot of bravado and some other person be like, oh, you know, I found that person to be arrogant, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I think there might be a little bit of a fine line, but I do I do understand your point. I mean, there's a reason why there are negative connotations to all these words, right? I mean, it's it's not, because it's, it's taking some fine line. 
it, it may be a giant yeah, sure. bl- blurry line, right? Because the line is the line is context, right? Right. If if you think you're confident and I think you're arrogant, the thing that is mismatched is not how you are. You are the way you are. Right. Like the thing that's mismatched is you have different context than I do, and either we need to like sync up our context or decide that it's not important enough and go about our merry ways. But like that's the thing that is mismatched is is you have a different context on how you're applying yourself to a thing than I do. I just think it's really interesting because there are a lot of a lot of qualities that we think are really, really positive qualities for people to have in general, but developers in particular. I view them kind of as one side of the mountain and you're going up the mountain, right? But there is that line, right? For all of these qualities where once you reach the peak and you go over the edge, like you're plummeting down and suddenly that positive quality becomes a negative, you know? I don't know why. I just find that kind of that dichotomy, I find that really interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're not alone. That's like the entire like troubled genius genre of like TV and movies and stuff. <laughs> sure. I mean, every like that's you. That's the synopsis of House, right? Like the dude is real good at doctoring, right? But man, he's a dick, yeah, right? Like, and but and that there's this sort of I don't know. In all those different examples, there's always like the team that's like, well, yeah, he's the worst, but we put up with him because he's the best, and it's just like, and mm. I and I think and I think when it comes to like developers and stuff, there's just I don't know that it, I don't think it works that I way. Don't, I don't. There's no like wizard. Yeah, like, I don't buy that. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Well, you that's, that's why it's earn it. that's why it's fiction. You know, yeah. like earn wait earn what? Yeah, earn I, your arrogance. You know, at what point can can you say you know I deserve this? Oh, I, <laughs> I don't think you can. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Like, yeah, I don't, right, I don't you know. certainly be. At the I can get away with this, right? Yeah, but see, I don't, I don't believe what you're talking about, Earl. In that, I don't think there's any anyone on any team that is so good and so smart that you have to put up with them just being an absolute shit to work with, right? Yeah, well, like, and those those people, those people that feel that way are cast as villains in the shows and stuff. Yeah. The ones that are like, oh, we can just get somebody else, like who's just slightly worse or whatever, or right. slightly not as good, and it'll be way better for the whole enterprise. And they're just like, oh, you're a jerk. <laughs> I think I think there's there's a spectrum to this, right? Because there's always um, a spectrum. I I, th- I think that no, like you can't earn the right to be an asshole, but I think that you can earn the right to ask harder questions and to call people on their shit with mm-hmm. a little bit less sugarcoating, mm-hmm. right? And I think that you earn that both like in your own accomplishment, but you also earn it in relationship with specific people, and you. You earn the trust of people, right. and and then you get a little bit of of leeway to to kind of spend less of your effort on the fluffy stuff and more of it down to the core of things. And so so yeah, I think like you you can earn the right to not have to fluffy sugarcoat everything all the time, but at no point do you earn the right to be an absolute asshole, <laughs> right? And, sure. I, and I also think like, you know, if, okay, House is a great example, favorite TV show ever. <laughs> yes, he's very good at doctoring and, and he goes about it in an absolutely autistically asshole-ish way, <laughs> but you see the other characters in the show as they become close to him, you see them perceiving the good in him and drawing it out of him over the course of several seasons and he's less of an asshole at the end of the show than he was in the pilot and and so again i think none of this is in isolation and none of it is binary this is all an an ebb and flow that that happens over the course of a life yeah so andrew i think you have the wrong theme for the podcast Uh that it's not really what traits does it take to be a good developer but how can good developers manage to be decent human beings (laughs) here we are a bunch of basically 
people with a very developer mindset, you can tell by listening to us talk how we feel about sugarcoating things and the importance of persistence and and uh, and the, I mean, the challenge is how to also be a good human being. I think it's it's noteworthy that everyone on this podcast is is just very long in the beard, it, like in our development careers. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just, whoa, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've seen Jen long, and she does in, not have in, a beard. Long in, uh, long in the tooth. Long, long beards and or long in the tooth. That's what I meant. Like we're, we're all like we've been around the ring around the rosy so many times and just seen all of the well, what's really important. Right. And so the stuff that we're harping on is like, yes, technologies come and go. And these the ability to relate and it has ultimately been important for all of us. And so I think that that we're honing in on that. Right. But I, I also, I think that there is, there's many of the things that we're talking about, many of the skills that we're talking about are actually useful, both in the craft and in the meta craft, right? Like the ability to abstract things. Not if you want to date. When I'm, when I, like the, the, the ability to abstract things is useful for me when I'm writing code, but it's also useful for me when I'm like contextualizing myself on my team. The ability to prioritize things and it is useful for me when I'm writing code and knowing when to pivot. And and it's also useful for me when I'm in a discussion slash argument with some designer, knowing how far to go in a thing before I pivot. All of these things they have, the skill is applicable to the code and to our relationships. All right. So, I want to get, I want to mention something that Marion was kind of talking about where Yes, we all love compliments and it's nice to say, to hear, oh, you did a great job or I love this or this is fantastic. And that feels very good, right? We're humans. We all love to hear that no matter what it is that we're working on. It's, it's awesome. But it's kind of like junk food in a way. Like I, I kind of feel like I've never really learned anything from someone who told me nice job. I've liked it. Like I've enjoyed that they complimented me and they said you did a good job. But the people I really learn from are the people who say, you know, hey, actually you could do it this way or a better way to do it might be this or did you know this or what do you folks think about that? No, I think uh, one of the things on my list was uh, being able to sort of take constructive feedback and not take it personally. Right. I couldn't sort of contextualize that into an actual trait. So I don't know if there's a better a better sort of label for that. But Well that that falls under on your San Francisco list, it's humbleness, right? Yeah, humbleness. Or humility. Right. Humility. <clears throat> That's probably a better way to put it. But yeah, I mean <laughs> One 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 of the biggest frustrations that you can have as a not only just developer, but I guess any sort of employees feel like you're just like treading water. Everyone's saying you're doing such a great right. work and yada yada yada, but you're like, how do you get better? How do you improve? Mm-hmm. There's this. So I went to co- when I was in college, I was a business major, and there was this uh, operations. I think it was operations management or management science class. Super fun, by the way, if you guys want to take it. Um, they have this. They talked about this idea of kaizen, which is the uh, this Japanese idea of of, um, continuous improvement hmm. and you know, how are you able to improve if you don't know what you're doing wrong and right. do something better if, if you're not getting that sort of feedback loop of at least some sort of incrementally way of making yourself a better in your craft or a better a better person better teammate so maybe constructive honesty or constructive criticism constructive criticism yeah that's that's a great way to put it yeah yeah i mean you can you can do both i mean encouraging people and letting them know when they do a good job is important you know you don't want to feel like you're doing like thankless work but at the same time you can definitely say something like wow this is great like i'm really glad that you know we solved this or whatever and you you ask them questions like how come you did it this way or whatever and then if they and then you can say things like well like did you think about you know coming at it from this 
aspect or whatever. And that's a way that you can teach people while also like providing, you know, positive feedback for them. So, another item that I would imagine would be on your list, Paulo, would be, you know, working together or working with, with teammates, mm-hmm. right? Which obviously I think is important, but a, a counter to that would be competitive. Does anyone think that being competitive could actually be something that would be a positive trait to have as a developer? You know, so for example, if you were very competitive in nature, you might look at what someone else has done and say... I think I can do better than that. And then combine that with your tenacity or whatever you want to call it to to actually try and do that. Does anyone think like being competitive could be a useful trait to have? I highly think no. so, yeah. We got a no. We got a simultaneous <laughs> no and I think so. Okay. So, let's go with the I think so first. Well, it also might have to do with experience, personal experience and context of the career too. Like yep. I, you know, I grew up playing sports and so not only did I get the sort of the, the team player sort of Yeah, you need both. So you need both. Yeah, you, you need some sort of I mean how are you well the also with the idea of Kaizen is how are you continuously improving yourself if you're sort of not at some level competing with well if you're at least competing with yourself. Like mm-hmm. I just looked at this code I wrote six months ago and holy crap, what a pile of yeah, it Shit sucks. It is. Right. Yeah. Um, so you want to, so you, you, you kind of want to have those sort of steps in, 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 I guess your career, if we're talking about develop, development as a career of like, you want to get better. And, and at least the way I translate it is it's in a way competitive with myself, but also like, Hey, you know, those people are building cool things. I want to build something cool and I want to build it better. And why not me? Um, right. Why, why not me? Well, yeah, why can't I do it? Yeah. Yeah, so and, and, and you may raise a really good point. And I, I think that is something that competitive sports, especially team sports, are, are really, really useful in, in teaching people, which is that you can be cooperative and work towards the goals of the team and still mm-hmm. be very competitive with the people that are on that team. And both can be healthy and, and work towards the, the common goal. But but Marion, you you chimed in and said no. So what do you don't think competitive can be a good good trait to have? I don't think it generally is, mm. but uh kind of my approach to, to the world. You've d- done that thing where you've asked me a question just before my clock is about to strike. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Congratulations. <laughs> um, well, you have two minutes. I have two minutes. Right. How fast can I talk? I'm just down on competition in general. I mm. think that there's a lot of trying to do well for yourself, trying to be better working with other people, and that competition gets to be very one-up-ish. And, uh, I, I guess where I would know, say that that might be healthy. that. Where that might be healthy is like, let's say there's a compression algorithm. And if everyone was just sort of like passive about it, no one would step up and say, hey, I think I can do better than that, you know, and try and further that kind of thing. But, uh, Jen, what do you think about this? I actually, I do like competition. I have on occasion sort of posed a challenge to my team and said, you know, the, let, let's see who can write the most elegant way to solve this problem. Mm. And people have a lot of fun with it. It's all friendly. There's you know, the, the person who does come up with the best way to solve it. They know that they don't need to be arrogant or gloat about it. They just did well in that particular problem. And it was sort of healthy competition. I think maybe what Marion is getting at is a more unhealthy competition where people mm. are trying to one up other people and it becomes a sort of zero sum game, which I don't think is a, is a good quality to have. But certainly competition makes 
people want to do better. It's just human nature. And I think it is generally quite healthy. Yeah. And that gets to the point where, you know, my my virtue mountain where you're getting to the top with competition and then all of a sudden you go over the edge and suddenly it's bad and it's unhealthy competition, right? So, I guess a lot of this stuff I, in know, moderation is is what kind of is important. I think the, the core of competition, right, li- literally where the word comes from, it means to strive. And so, like the core of competitiveness is that you're striving for mm-hmm. something. Right. And and yes, I think that's absolutely great for, for being a developer or a creator of any kind is that there's like, there's all, you're always striving for forward. But then I think you, to balance it, you have to ask yourself, well, what am I striving for? And, and so I think as a competition can, can be a device, right? You can put a prize out there that is worth achieving, whether that's an explicit prize like the best algorithm gets, you know, a Chick-fil-A gift card or an implicit prize like I will improve myself and and I will do it better than my 10 years ago self or whatever. Like whatever the prize is, if the prize is poisonous, like if the prize is the downfall of others, then that's not going to be healthy, well-balanced, well-contextualized competitiveness. But if the prize is that that I'm lift, lifting myself, I'm, I'm improving myself, I'm bringing other people with me, I'm making a thing better that will benefit people in some way like okay great then that's absolutely the competitive spirit that you need to create anything of value yeah and i i mean i can just tell you from my personal experience there have been many times where i've seen someone that did something and i've looked at it and you know the competitive spirit kind of got there in me and i'm like you know what i think i can do better than this and then i go down that road and sometimes (laughs) sometimes i did something better than them and sometimes i realized i really couldn't right which is Totally fine, but, you know, that's the way it goes. I do have one other uh, kind of negative term that I want to throw out there to see what anyone thinks about it. What about anger? Has anyone in your, you know, late at night working on something actually become angry at the the code you're working on? And, and you know, maybe there's a borderline between frustrated and, and angry. And there's a there's a, a really nice, you know, a, a line in a, a band that I really like, you know, Zach De La Roca. Anger is a gift. Is anger a gift, Earl? Do you think this is... Can we channel... Have you ever been angry at code that you're working on? I think I've been angry at the people that wrote the code that I was working on. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't... Yeah, I don't know if I've ever... But have you been angry at yourself that you couldn't figure something out? And has that... Have you ever been able to channel that anger into a gift to like push you through to do it? No, that's not really my personality type. But that that might work for other people. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm getting if I'm getting to the point where I'm like that mad, I need to do like what we talked about earlier, which is just walk away or like right. move, move on to working to something else because I don't. Right. Yeah, just my personality doesn't work well. Become a beat farmer. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. yeah. Just move on. Yeah. Just yeah. Cash in and go go. What go about go yeah, I, what about you, Ransom? I, I would never. Yeah, I would never consider hiring a an angry developer. Anyone who's <laughs> trying to use anger, you know, that's just a red flag. <laughs> you want someone who's like back there just bashing their desk into pieces so they wouldn't pass yeah. the interview? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Not, not quite. No? You could turn it into like a UFC competition. I, I think. Cage I mean, match. I think there's there's a level of like ironic anger right. or like cartoonish anger, right. like anger anger that is rooted in humor and like having a sense of humor about oneself and about one's work, like that kind of like, grump grump grump. Mm. And like I am an angry old man developer, right? And so, but it's, <laughs> but I'm I'm not actually gonna like, like fly off and knife somebody because you know I, I got I'm not talking about I'm we're not, not knifing anyone. Not throwing, <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Michael, like Michael. Computer across the room. Like, Hold on. No, that's, what that's what we're talking about now. Nobody's <laughs> seen. I, oh I have God. seen, I have seen a developer pick up their screen and throw it across the room because really? they were so angry. Whoa. Okay. And, and that's like, messed up. that is a level of anger that right. is not good. Okay. But so, if you can be like, you know, they say hell is other people's code, right? <laughs> well, 97% of the people who write code that makes me angry is my past self. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> yeah. hell is not other hell is not other people's code. Michael, Michael, so like, Michael, you, Michael, it, Michael. Hell is not other people's code. It's your code six months later. Right. right. <laughs> so, exactly. So so if you can if you can like be cartoonishly angry and like get some humility and like some patience and some pattern recognition right. by by kind of having an, an angry banter with yourself or your coworkers or, you know, the person on the other end of, of Stack Overflow, like, fine, fine. But just, like, stop short of throwing your computer across the room. Well, okay, right? so I, I think that... That's the I, tolerance I don't, for frustration again. Yeah, I don't mean right. that kind of anger. I guess I guess anger is coming across as something like, you know, if you're bringing knives into it, Michael, like, you clearly... Okay. Actually, to your point, yes. Because I think what you're trying to get at is, like, can you be so... feel so intensely about a problem that it lights the fire under yes, you. Yes, that's what I mean. And, and actually, so I was I was re- rereading for like the twelfth time your webpack. Oh God, uh, blog. <laughs> did, um, it, did it make you angry? <laughs> how long ago, the other day, and there was like, there was something in in it was like I was like SVG spriting something huh. or like do, doing something, and and like. <laughs> I just couldn't get it to, to work, and I had tried and tried and tried, and I just kept getting more like the fire was just getting stoked, mm. and so then I like like pulled up your blog and read it in its entirety one more time. I was like, I will not sleep, right? Yeah, you know, before this enemy is vanquished, right? And so yes, I think. There can be some of that. I don't know if it's like the righteous anger. That's the kind of anger the, I the mean. Righteous anger can be yeah. really fun. R- Ransom, that took you five minutes to read that article, right? <laughs> it's a five minute read. <laughs> I, yeah, every every article but, is, a, is a five five minute read, no ran- matter how many days it actually takes. Ransom, that's what I mean by anger. I, I guess it's just it's so general. Like, I don't mean like yeah. you're gonna like club people or you shout at people or you go crazy. I I, I guess it really kind of meant like something inside you lights this fire that it says to yourself, I'm better than this. I can figure this out. Like I'm going to get this figured out. That's more like a passion. Passion. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Jen, what do you think? Um, Yeah. I I tend to not be an angry person. You sound very angry though. Yeah. (laughs) You sound sound like um, a plate thrower. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, Definitely, you know, overturning tables and stuff. Right. I, I do, I do feel that that what Michael was talking about, and sort of coincidentally about that same Webpack article. So thanks oh a lot, God. Andrew. Oh my God, I've <laughs> um, caused so much anger. Andrew, I, I can assure you, I've never read one of your articles. I have never yeah. felt so much <laughs> anger towards a blog post oh anywhere. I've, I've read a lot of blog posts in my day, okay, but none have made me as angry as that one. Wow, yeah, that's a, that's a lot. It's a it's a substantive blog post, and it probably aroused, aroused a lot of you know feelings and of sort of inadequate inadequacy in developers. That's probably why they get angry. Um, that's certainly sort of why I felt a little bit angry because I didn't understand it and thought, you know, why is this a five or 30 minute read? And I, I read it and I don't understand any of it. Um, so I'll have to read it again. And that makes me angry, but kind of what you mentioned, well, it does. It, kind of what you mentioned a, a little while ago that, you know, there's gotta be something that makes you better and it's not right. telling you how good you are. It's, 
sort of reminding you that you got to, you know, you know, some, you got to light a fire under you and, and do better. And if that means, you know, learning the ins and out of Webpack, then that's how it's got to be. Like yeah. you have to sort of feel positive anger towards those things and go and learn that tool and, you know, you not do, complain about it too much. You do a really good workout. You do a really hard uh, session lifting weights or however you work out. You're going to be sore the next day and it's going to hurt. And it's your body putting itself back together and that's you growing and getting stronger. And it's, you know, I think it is somewhat the same in learning stuff. Like there is like a kind of a fire that you have to go through. I don't think it should be painful though. And I feel terrible that both <laughs> both have generated so much anger from both of you. <laughs> this is yeah, but, it, but it like, it sort of <laughs> simmered into this like holy anger. Holy the, the, anger. Like, I will, <laughs> like I will, I will vanquish this. I will right. conquer this right. because I, because like, because it's in me to conquer this and I will not be vanquished by this thing that I like, Five can't minutes. wrap my head around. Right? Yeah, and so, like, right word. More like joyous. Uh, it's, it's a bit of joy and, and ecstasy in there too. Cause the feeling of learning something new yeah. that, that is difficult right. is one of the best feelings. That's probably why we're in this field is cause you get to feel that way on an ongoing basis. Right. It's a joyful frustration. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, like, although Michael, no, no, like, Michael, the way you the said it, the Lord of the Rings wouldn't be cool if Sauron wasn't evil as balls, right? Like, <laughs> like there's there's some amount of uh, like I don't know. There's like this like poetic moral arbitrage between the the thing and what I'm striving for that like makes it compelling, and I think that you can tap into that. Yeah, but the way you were saying it about this, you know, holy anger and the something inside you, it sounds more like The Exorcist, the movie. Like you, you now have demons that need to be taken out of you or something. Are you okay, Michael? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for for most value, like I don't think I'm fully demonically possessed yet. <laughs> okay. Well, let us know. We need to go down there. Uh, ransom or... You just, you just keep writing Webpack articles and, and I'll be fine. <laughs> I think it's subjective. I think you need to understand and have a good relationship with how you consume some information. Mm. You know, if, if getting, like, just diving into something and, you know, getting really angry about it, angry in air quotes, uh, works, that's great. But I, I don't I don't know that it's really my... I don't know that that really contributes to being a good developer or a bad developer or a good person or a bad person. Well, let's call it I el passion. <laughs> you know, let's call it passion, not what? anger. Passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What yeah. do you think I mean, then? If we, if we term it as passion? Which you, like, while you're oh lifting the heavy weight or whatever. Michael, when I mention the word passion, I don't want you to say loud grunt. <laughs> like, this is just... When you're lifting the heavy weight in the gym, oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> a lot of gyms have, have strict on, no grunting worry. policies. Oh... <sighs> My goodness. I'm going to have to change the rating on this podcast for that, Michael. <laughs> oh, we, had, we, should, we should have done that <laughs> Not seasons ago. ago. <laughs> Unbelievable. Paula, what do you think? Wrap this up in a bow for me, Paula. I can't even um, think straight right now. <laughs> <laughs> what Are you reading the Webpack article right now? <laughs> Don't read it right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, <laughs> what's okay. The, what's the um, matter, Paula? <laughs> <laughs> and how am I supposed right, to follow? So reversing oh, the linked list. Like, what is the best algorithm for reversing the the uh, linked list? Um, God. Um, how? Uh, uh, maybe we should come up with another question and go from there. So I, I think we have another question because we've talked a lot of, a lot about the sort of 
you know, how to be a good human. And all these things apply to our industry. And we've certainly viewed it through our own lens as developers. But I, I was I was wondering if anyone had as practical ways on improving these so-called character traits, because there are things that can be practiced. And we did talk about that a little bit, um, but, you know, the being analytical and being tenacious or stubborn or whatever it is. But I mean, I just, um, just to give an example of something that helps me a lot, sort of I mean, a few years ago, sort of pre-thinking that I was a quote unquote good developer and how did I get to be to the point where I thought of myself as a good developer. And it was for me, it was the idea that I'm not so good at thinking abstractly, sort of rotating objects in my head kind of thing. And I feel like programming is kind of like that in many ways. We are, we're not building things with our hands. We can't see exactly what we're doing all the time. We're kind of typing into computer and hoping that, you know, the, the website looks the way that we typed it on another screen tells it to look. So one thing that really helped me a lot was, well, one, using debugger to print everything out as I was going and also using more visualization techniques, you know, making flowcharts for my code before I wrote the code and things like that, that would allow me to visualize it. Cause I know some people are really good at that thing that I'm not, where they're able to visualize a code in their head or a code base before they, before they do anything, uh, before they actually write. So that was one thing that super helped me. And I was wondering if there was anything like that, that sort of changed your trajectory and made you a lot better and something that's sort of practical that people listening could say, oh, you know, I, I haven't thought of that. I'll try that. So, I mean, for myself, I think part of some of this is nature versus nurture, right? So, I think everyone is born with innate talents that they may have. And some people will say, well, I'm not artistic, you know, so I don't draw. But being artistic or learning is or learning how to draw is something you can learn. Like I could take someone yeah. that is terrible at drawing and if they practice every day, if they go to art class, you know, whatever, you can learn how to draw. You can. But there are certain things that you maybe have a better aptitude for. And all that really means is that you're going to be a little bit better about, at something from the beginning. But someone who puts in the hard work is going to surpass you if you don't do any of that, right? But to get to your your actual question, one of the things that I do when I'm trying to solve a problem is I try to think about it and I'm not trying to solve the specific problem, but I try to make it a more generic problem and say, how would I solve that generic problem? And that really helps me think about it from an abstract point of view that will help with things like code reuse and, and structure and that type of thing. So, I try to take more of a uh, forest versus tree approach when I'm thinking or architecting the problem. How about anyone else? No, that helps. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that's really helped me, uh, especially prior to taking this job that I've been in for the past four something years, I was mostly, you know, a solo developer running my own little studio, occasionally brought some contractors in or there was a time where I had some employees. But what I started doing is actual pairing with people. And that has been mm -hmm. hugely sort of helpful in uh, leveling up much quicker and faster, especially in, uh, I, I was a mostly a, a craft CMS expression engine type developer before that. And then I take on this role where it's all JavaScript, React, you know, Webpack articles. Um, and <laughs> I don't think I could have, I, I don't think I would have been able to survive if I didn't have smarter people helping me along, sort of, you know, helping me just figure out the whole, not only the ecosystem, but the way the app was put together. There's so many nuances in JavaScript that I, as a, before coming to the, to IDEO, that I never, I never even touched on or saw because, you know, I, you know, I was making, you know, divs hide and, 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 and appear with jQuery. And then now I'm, I'm building single page apps with, with React and, 
GraphQL and all this sort of stuff. So it's pairing and, and having smarter people sort of help you along has is, is been hugely helpful for me. Yeah, I used to think when I was a teenager, I used to think I was the best programmer in the world. And then I saw other people's code and realized that I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yes. <laughs> so I agree with you, like looking at, at, at things that other people are doing, especially people that have uh, skills in, in other areas and you can be super helpful in accelerating your growth. Anyone else want to chime in pa- on this? Pairing, by the way, pairing is like cannot speak highly enough about programming pairing, but also just pairing as an activity, like do creative things with other people. Hmm. Go cook a meal with someone. Go build a table with someone. Just like the act of doing creative things in the context of another person or other people can like help you see not just how things fit together contextually and sequentially, but like build the skills of communicating about that with someone else, I have found that the vast majority of my gains in like ability to communicate about programming with other people have come from doing activities that have nothing to do with programming. Marin, mm-hmm. Marin, um, what do you think about what uh, Jen is looking for in terms of how to get better at some of these qualities that we all agree are, are probably good qualities to have? How do how do we get better at them? I'm not sure. I think we get older, and that helps pr- probably up to a point. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to doubt. I'm starting to reach the the point where I'm not sure that that's helping anymore. <laughs> Diminishing returns. Yeah, I think it might. Yeah. I think it might be. <laughs> Actually, can I can I toss in one? There's there's some like question tests that that have sort of emerged out of just sort of doing things for a long time and realizing what questions are really valuable to ask. So there's like, and these are post-it notes on my desk. They're so important to me. The first is the really test. So like anything that comes in, I ask really and this can be a decision about how important something is versus how important I am making it. Or it can be a conversation on Stack Overflow about the right versus right way to do a thing. So just like testing everything against really. Oh, um, Michael, one of those post-it notes better not be well, actually, because Earl is going to flip out. <laughs> and, and, and the second, the second one, the second one is the who cares test. So when you're, when you're in a problem, just sort of remembering to, to stop every once in a while and ask yourself, who cares? Who cares about this function that I'm writing? Who cares about this thing that I'm building? And the answer may be some upstream function cares about this function that I'm writing. So it could be a technical question, who cares? But it could also be who cares about the difference between these, you know, the button being five pixels to the left or five pixels to the right, or who cares whether I build my database in Mongo or Percona, who cares? And, and, And not as a trivializing question, but as a real question, like, because there probably is someone who cares, and there's a reason that they care. And that person may be my future self, or it may be someone upstream from me and my team, right? But like, really, really asking who cares has helped me arrive at better answers to to questions. And, and that leads into the last one, which is the why. And, and I forget where I read it. But there was like a real good blog post called the five whys. And the premise is that it's never enough to ask why, once. You have to ask why five times. Oh my and, God, that sounds like my and, kids. 
and usually usually this is like the, usually this is between me and my and my ducky on my desk mm-hmm. right uh my my rubber ducky debugging which in my case is a porcelain ducky but this conversation will be between you and your duck but but it can also be between you and your manager or you and your client or you and some stakeholder or you and someone who's mentoring you about your database normalization or whatever like ask why internalize the answer but then ask why about that that answer and then internalize that and then ask why again about the new answer and like the fourth or fifth time the answer to the fourth or fifth why you start to like extract those that meta knowledge that isn't necessarily about the problem where you started but it's about the more general arc of things that you can apply to future problems with your code or with your your people so ransom so the, the ransom reading, what's on your post-it notes five wise ransom uh, what do you my think post-it notes uh yeah i'm well, i, I kind of just to feel re- the same way just to reframe yeah. the question so jen was uh, essentially asking you know there are certain things that she's not that great at or you know wants to improve at or whatever and and how how have you improved over the years and, and what strategies would you recommend to her personally for me what works is uh you know i i have you know a great team who can i can go to and ask to you know candidly what am i doing how, how, you know, just watch me and tell me what I'm doing that you don't think is right or I can improve on. And, uh, I think trying to start, I think it's easier to get someone else's vision or view of you as opposed to starting internally because you've already got this kind of preconception. So, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm not talking from a technical perspective because to be honest, a lot of the work I do is, uh, most of the people I work with are not super technical. And the interactions I have need to be no less technical. I don't really know if that kind of answers the question, but that's, that's kind of where my approach is, is try to find someone else who can notice things for me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So you're employee proxy. Jonathan, what are you thinking about in terms of, you know, answering Jen's question about, you know, certain uh, deficiencies you might see in yourself and they may be different from hers? Like, how do you, how do you go about uh, addressing them? So, I think one of the things we talked about earlier was like one of the qualities was resiliency. Maybe that wasn't the exact word, but I mean, that, that's a good quality to have. So this is something that I think it's just my personality type struggles with that. And maybe I would be better suited in um, like the kind of line of work that my father did. So like he was a CPA and pretty much like he had some changes in the way that he did stuff, but pretty much for the entirety of his career, you know, the way that you prepare a tax return is the way you prepare a tax return next year and the year after that and the year after that. And so with our line of work, you know, you kind of kind of clear the slate and start over every couple of months, it seems. And so I don't know the best way to make yourself more resilient or to make yourself more more adaptable or, or less stressed by having to scrap a preconceived notion about something or uh, or uh, uh, being comfortable with a particular workflow that, that you've fallen into. But I think... One of the things that I've tried to do over the last year or so is maybe uh, take on projects that I feel like are a little bit above my pay grade. So maybe a project that makes me nervous. Right. Go for that project. And, that, and that's... Project that you're just like, yeah, I could totally nail this one. Maybe 
maybe go through one where you're like, I'm not so sure I can pull this off. Right. And and just be have enough. Be careful with that. But have have the confidence in yourself that you can figure it out and then do it. Right. And you know, within reason, like you know, somebody asked me to rebuild Zillow or something. No, but I think um, if they give you a big uh, enough budget, just say uh, yes and hire lots of people. (laughs) Everything everything's just a crud app. Just remember that. That's all it is. (laughs) So my advice would be take on projects that make you that make you nervous when it comes to software you know you can do at literally anything all it takes yeah. is money and time Earl, right. Earl what do you think uh, well I think everybody covered a lot of uh, any any idea I may have had oh yeah covered but I think uh, just to speak to Jen's sort of original the, the way that this question came about was you know Jen, Jen was trying to solve a specific you know sort of weakness that she had which was is having trouble visualizing things right so I think the the important advice might be to just be honest with yourself about what your weaknesses are and then yes. try and find try and find ways to solve those just like you do trying to find ways to solve things uh you know with programming is just, just google it you know just like don't be afraid to like ask google like oh i'm having trouble doing this thing and then just i'm sure there's a million blog posts about it and and, whatever, I, so. and i think this is more of a universal quality it's not just developer because i i think about so an an analog in poker for instance mm-hmm. that if you are not brutally honest with yourself right you are not going to succeed. Yeah, that's true. And I think that applies to a whole bunch of different things. You know, it definitely applies to programming, but it also applies to life and a whole bunch of other different things. But we have gone on for a very long time. I hope everyone enjoyed it, but that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmo.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. You can always follow us on Twitter at devmo.fm and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Just leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website we am not kidding we want your comments and we really could use some more reviews okay for the devmode.fm podcast i'm andrew welch i'm earl johnston i'm jonathan melville marianne millivan michael rog and thank you very much paulo thank you very much paulo (laughs) thank you thank you ransom thank you and thank you jennabelle thank you If everyone didn't get in there, I tried really hard to to get everyone in there, but it's tough when we got seven people here. I like the the DJ voice that you like broke out in <laughs> for a second. Yeah, man. I, I don't even I know. You either. Well, thanks for listening to the Dev Mode FM podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes.